0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hold up. What was that?
0: Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney.
2: Oh, yes. Caught Offside, just outside New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. We have our final. What's up, brother?
3: We have our final, Andrew, and uh, I don't know. There's, We've just got there. We've got to a final in a much more normal fashion. I feel like the last five, six years of the Champions League have uh, conditioned us to expect all sorts of thrill spills. Uh, and we didn't get any of that, really. We got some straightforward results on Tuesday and Wednesday. Very, very meat and potatoes into the final. Not a lot to uh, to talk about in terms of drama. Lots to talk about in terms of the final, in terms of the games themselves, I guess, but uh, not not really dramatic.
2: No, not at all we've been completely spoiled i yeah. think by the last by every year of this competition this is the outlier like I, I think now having gone through a totally dramaless experience of the champions league this is not this is not normal like you can say what real madrid last year like what they did in all of those games that wasn't normal to a certain extent that's true you can never expect a team to to win consistently against the best teams in the world like that but this is this is the outlier to go through an entire Champions League knockout stage without. Am I being harsh to say without anything truly memorable happening? Like, aside do- from like some memorable individual goals, like right. I, the first leg of of Real Madrid, uh, Real Madrid Manchester City, we were treated to a couple incredible goals, but like in twenty years, you know, other than like the fans of the team that goes on to win this thing what are we going to remember about this champions league? I would say nothing, nothing. Um, and I, I feel bad throwing cold water all over the Like this is supposed to be fun in a hype pod of like, you know, here we go. We've got our final, but I mean, I guess part of the story is that it was just like you said, meat and potatoes. Um, I, I watched it with a
3: concerned friend who was a Manchester United supporter. And, um her concern is that the treble is collapsing uh not collapsing i mean 99 will always de- be there for manchester united but the fact that C- city
2: would em- emulate it is just a thought so so scary yeah i don't i don't like their attitude right now united fans my, my one of my friends who's a united fan similarly is talking that way about how he's getting nervous, how, you know, before the game, he was talking about how we all are Real Madrid fans today. I don't like, they are one of the teams that can still stop this. Like <laughs> right, they should but- be excited about the opportunity to be the ones to spoil it.
3: No, there's there's so little faith that that's going to happen because I think the last couple of months, particularly since the Carabao Cup, have been so kind of up and down and meh. And their cup competition, uh, their other cup competition, the the Europa League was Not good the way they went out to Sevilla, so it's half time and City are leading, and I'm looking for to give her crumbs of comfort. Now, I've already given her a a Real Madrid jersey, a beat up Real Madrid jersey that I own, okay, which was uh Cannavaro on the back. Oh, interesting. So, 06, so I was working in a school in 06, and there was a teacher there who was running. A um, an English-speaking school in Spain with the president of Real Madrid, Ramon Calderon. They were essentially some kind of business partners. And he said he was going to Spain over the Easter holidays. And I jokingly said to him, get me a Cannavaro jersey. And lo, lo and behold, he lands back with one. And he led me to assume that it was got for him or procured for him by the president of Real Madrid. So I've had this jersey and typically like I'm not I should have been better with my kids down the years. Looked after them, tended to them. This one threw it in the washing machine, wore it a lot. So it's kind of the Canavaro is 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 worn off the back of it and the bank Siemens on the front is a little bit worn. Now there's a guy who restores jerseys in Dublin. I think I'm gonna send it to him. But um so I gave her that jersey to wear today because as a Man United fan, because whatever voodoo it had, she was hoping it was it was gonna work. Yeah, how'd that uh, turn out? It did not. Oh, it did not work. Now, she didn't blame me for it. Um, but <laughs> no, nor should she. <laughs> no, but but the general feeling at the end was utter despondency because now we face the reality that it's Internazionale in the final. And like, what do we know of them? Be like, we'll get to that semi final, but what did we learn? Like,
2: no, did we learn anything? We are all. No one should overlook any team at any point. Right. However, we we all just bore witness to Manchester City doing this to Real Madrid. Inter are not Real Madrid. (laughs) Like, we're not... I don't know what's going to happen in the final. We'll talk a little bit about that after we wrap up these two semifinals. Uh, I obviously don't know what's going to happen. But I will say this right now. None of us, none of you out there listening who feel similarly, none of us are wrong For thinking that this is going to be a romp in the final i don't know that that's going to happen but our but that thought is based in logic and that's all you can use when trying to predict the outcome of a game obviously there's chaos in this sport it's what makes the sport so great um and and this competition in general but if you're going to logically look at a at a game and try to predict what you think is going to happen i mean i'm sorry other than just having a hunch there's nothing that you could look at that would tell you that Manchester City are not going to cruise to this thing.
3: I'm I'm looking for, I mean, like, like I'm a Liverpool supporter, so where am I? Do I want to see City win a European Cup? No. Do, or have I seen it uh, as a kind of a, almost a fait accompli that it was going to happen? It's definitely going to be the case from the minute they were bought. I kind of felt like, well... It'll take time, but with that amount of money, they'll definitely do it. And now we're here, and its it just feels like they're just in their general play, um, the way they dominated Real Madrid from the beginning. Like, it was... You were... Wait, like,
2: when are Real Madrid going to get down the field here? It was... So let's... We're in it now. Let's talk about the game. Um So... Well, when you're talking about that in particular, JJ, when are Real Madrid going to get down the field? You know, we we talk sometimes about statistics and we try to figure out which stats are actually meaningful. Like, you know, we talk about shots. Well, is that meaningful? Cause you don't know the quality of the shot. XG, yeah, sometimes that's deceiving. Possession, that's a stat that can be deceiving. All, all stats can, but I think you're moving in the right direction regarding stats that paint a picture, an accurate picture of how a game is going. When you start looking at touches in the final third. I feel like that's a more, to me, that's kind of a more accurate method of seeing yeah. not, not only who had the lion's share of possession, but if they were possessing it in threatening areas. JJ, in the first half, Manchester City had 196 touches in the final third. Real Madrid had 10. If that doesn't tell you absolutely everything that you needed to know about how the first half in particular this game went, I can't help you. Because that, that's it. That says it all. Real Madrid did nothing. Nothing. All that talent. Benzema, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Valverde, non-existent. All of them. Can't think of a single moment from any of them in this entire game. Meanwhile, Manchester City, I can give you six guys who made meaningful attacking impacts in this game. If it's not Holland, then it's De Bruyne. If it's not De Bruyne, it's Grealish. If it's not Grealish, it's Gundogan. If it's not Gundogan today, it's Bernardo Silva scoring two goals. It's unbelievable how good they were.
3: I I think a measure of the the discombobulation of Real Madrid was Vinicius. I think it was Vinicius. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Midway through, the second half is in conference. There's a break in play. He's in conference with Carlo Ancelotti.
2: It was at, right after a goal, wasn't it? After I, I, yeah. after City scored the third, second, second or third,
3: second I think in the far. It was, it was definitely so it was the first, first half. Okay, yeah. Then yeah, yeah
2: and, I, I remember it exactly. He looked yeah, and he, he looked totally bemused. And and Ancelotti didn't say a word. No, he had he did his kind of, but even his raised eyebrow was not
3: smooth. It was how would you put it? Yeah, it was all over the place. He also dressed funerally. Like that was that was interesting to me. He was dressed like he, he was going to uh, an old-timey funeral, wh- whereas Pep Guardiola was dressed like a Bond villain. <laughs> um, And uh, yeah, so, so Vinicius is explaining to him, we're getting pulled across the place, and Ancelotti has nothing, no answers. Now, they overloaded on Camavinga's side several times. Uh, including the goal where where Camavinga first and then Cruz completely lose Bernardo Silva between the lines and he just pops up and leathers at home. Like, it's a great goal and it's a very prescient pass by Kevin De Bruyne. But, you know, Madrid have no answer for for where City are positioning players and getting the ball to them. Um, I thought, and again, uh, the, the crumbs of comfort I was trying to offer to my friend Lauren was, hey, look, look at Courtois. Look at that first half there. I was in Paris in May when I saw Real Madrid dominated by Liverpool. Maybe not to that ex- same extent that City did, but still dominated. And Courtois stood on his head. Now, Courtois made probably one of the best saves you're going to see anywhere in the world. Um, the first one, the header from Haaland, it hits him in the midriff. It's right at him. It's still a great save. He's got to be there. But the other one from Haaland, from the from the cross, was just unbelievable unbelievable he's going the wrong way he's going to his left he pulls out this amazing save and that kind of gave you some hope because that was at nil nil that maybe they'll weather the storm they'll dig into the game now they real madrid did dig into the game um after the first goal Mm. started to pass the ball moved it between like andrew by the way this is you are reaching uh, of course i'm reaching i'm trying
2: why why reach
1: because,
3: like, what are you
2: reaching for? Manchester City were completely dominant in that first half. W- well, what I'm saying is,
3: we had the the cruise effort off the crossbar. Um, I mean, again,
2: yeah. I mean, it's not like 30, it came out from stormy. 30 yards out, like. right?
3: Exactly, exactly. And I think it was actually a save. Um, so that hits the crossbar. They had a kind of a, a, a few moves. You know, they they worked the ball down the field a couple of times. Rodrigo had the ball in the left hand, the left inside pocket. Outside of the ball pass, it was just too much. Ederson gets there get there easily. What I'm saying is, I'm reaching here for anything, but they did put a few passes together. And what happens? What happens? City score a second. And and to me, at that point, like in my brain, there's only one option left. Which again, I was trying to say, wishing for was that it'll be the classic Real Madrid comeback. They've been here before. They're in trouble. Watch them. Watch just watch what they'll do. But if you don't have the ball, if you can't get on the ball, this, there's just no chance.
2: Yeah. The
3: the fact of the romp that this was for City is is incredible. Now Miguel Delaney described it uh, as a humiliation, and I and I, I genuinely kind of I, like I can't look beyond that. Um Now he gives his props to City because. You have to. The first half hour was perhaps Guardiola's finest spell of football in Europe and maybe the best ever by an English club on this stage. It will surely be seen as the statement performance should City go and finally lift the trophy in Istanbul as they reached the stage for the second time. Real Madrid, of all clubs, were humiliated. The entire game has been left trailing in City's wake.
2: Yeah, now- and I think Pep recognized it, too. He said, this is one of the highest results of my career, considering the opponent, Real Madrid, in the semi-final of the Champions League. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is an all-timer for them. Absolutely. Now,
3: you know, we've seen brilliant performances in the past in Europe for Manchester United, obviously much longer ago, Liverpool in the last five, six years. But this is absolutely just stunning. Absolutely stunning from, um, from City. The way they played, the way they controlled it the way they had just relentless wave of possession and attack like jack grealish was just tormenting the real madrid defense absolutely tormenting it and if he wasn't it was bernardo silva on the other side to the point where camavinga who he's not he's not a left back he's no. better than that he's a he's a better footballer um than left back and i'm no disrespect to left what backs what an but, unbelievable shot at left backs around the world i know but like I think Camavingel will turned out to be a very fine midfielder is what I'm saying. And 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 midfield is always held in a higher regard anyway, or rightly or wrongly, but he just looked forlorn. There was one point, did you see him? He was just straying across the field. He ended up almost in a right back position. Like he didn't know what he was doing or where he was going. It was, I don't know. It was so comprehensive and props to city for that. day. They, they blew them away.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's funny though. You and I, I mean, our – and I'm sure millions of other people watching the game too. I'm not saying that this is like a revelatory thought we were having, but you and I were of the same mind watching this. Like, I I felt similarly. Like, you could think in the beginning of the game when City had those two chances that Courtois saved, you know, the crowd was into it. Like, they were optimistic from that. Pep was getting them revved up. Like, you could see City – they had all the momentum. But I I was not feeling that way when that happened. I was more like you where I was thinking – they are wasting opportunities. You can't waste these against Real Madrid. Now, yeah. little, little did I know it was going to happen that they're you know 80 minutes later it would be four 0 and like none of that mattered. <laughs> that's all just a distant memory. Like Jonathan Lew had a good line about it in the Guardian. He said that the the Courtois saves were the only things preventing this game from getting its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> He's right. Like that, that's what it turned out to uh, be. But in the moment, you know, we've been conditioned. We've watched Real Madrid, especially last year. Like we've we've seen how this team plays. They do sit back at times and, and try to, you know, allow you to, to possess the ball and they, and then they bite you on the counter. Um, and it, I, I watched those early chances and I just thought, Ooh, city, they're going to re they're going to regret that. Nope. And, but for, the other thing though, that you said that I agreed with too, is Real Madrid also conditioned us to believe that they're never out of a game like two 0 down and city still dominating. If it was any other team out there I would have been like, "Click. What else is on right now? Like, <laughs> let me, let me, yeah. let me see what's on Netflix." But like with Real Madrid, I needed that third goal. I needed to see that third goal go in before I was like, "Okay, this is done now." Um I mean that happened what, like the 74th minute or so. Like the the you know, even even a team like Real Madrid who are never dead and buried weren't coming back from that. Um so yeah, credit credit to City because like none of those chances were wasted. None of that aura of Real Madrid and what they can do late in games whatever what happened to city just last year against this real madrid side none of that mattered city were above all of that didn't mean a thing i mean courtois saving those balls to keep real madrid in it seemingly in the beginning it was the same stuff we were seeing last year remember Grealish's opportunity late they could have put that one away uh, you know in the moment we didn't think it mattered but then sure enough city got the two late ones like you know so it was none of that mattered Uh, This city team was just, like, there was no pep brain that was going to get in the way of this. There were no nerves, nothing like that. This team is just, they are ready. They are ready to finally ascend to to this level where they they get what you think they've been on the brink of for years now. When
3: you see uh, Rudiger coming on from Modric after 62 minutes, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Bad, bad sign you're bringing on a centre-back for your centre midfielder. Uh, it was just one of those nights it it never got going for them. It,
1: I mean, no, not at I all. said
3: never got going. That's that's wrong. City never let them get going, ever. They didn't give them a sniff. Um, the XG reflected that too. Uh, the XG was, I, I mean, almost one of those where you're like, yep, 3.18 for City. Mm -hmm.
2: 0.49 for real madrid yeah 0.49 no they had nothing they had nothing um before we get to the real madrid side of it last bit on city you know i'm wondering now like them having done this to anyone at this stage of the competition would have been a big deal would have been news making um but the fact that they did it to this team real madrid yeah, defending champions the team that you know we, we kind of consider them to be the kings of the champions league um and i can't help but I, am i going over the top in in thinking boy that that had a little bit of a changing of the guard type feel to it that city have struggled for so long in this competition and now maybe they have finally worked out whatever those those kinks were and they've gotten it right and here we go. Like this could be the beginning of not just city. We've seen the city reign of dominance in England. Are we about to see it now translating finally to Europe?
3: I mean, possibly it's their second final in three years. So, you know, they've not been bereft of finals. Uh, you're right though. They get to quarters and semis and things would happen. Um, I don't know. Like changing the guards an odd one real Madrid will always be such a major powerhouse in the game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I like, that's not the way I'd frame it. Actually is it just city's ascension into the rank of real madrid barcelona liverpool but Manchester they were already madrid?
2: they were already in that rank even without a champions league i think now like now is their moment where they they move above all of them and look down upon everyone
3: i'm looking at like if i look at it from a real madrid standpoint i'm you know uh florentino perez uh my bugbear about you know european football and the problems this is only just going to heighten it for him um, despite his team's good luck and good results in the Champions League over the past decade, I really do feel that this is just going to embolden him in his view uh, that uh, the way European football is structured can continue like this and the way the Premier League is dominant can continue like this. Because guess what? There's another shark going
2: to enter that tank real soon. Well, it's going to get weird seeing Newcastle do this. <laughs> like, that's going to take a, a minute to adjust to. It's um, going to
3: get disgusting. It's <laughs> going to get pretty disgusting.
2: Um, I mean, look when you when you talk about this for Manchester City in terms of statement wins or whatever, yeah, it's. I, I don't have the list in front of me, but it's got to be like this is the this is the defining win. I I think perhaps of the Pep era. Yeah, I know they've had good ones domestically, but this is the trophy that they've been craving. Like this whole project, this whole being bought by a nation state. Yeah, winning Premier Leagues were, were great, but it wasn't really about that. It was about this. And 5-1 on aggregate against the defending champions, Real Madrid, uh, I think that this is one of the defining moments in the history of the club. Um,
3: A thousand percent. Uh, the league win in um, 68. There, there are multiple relegations. Uh, Their subsequent promotion, they always talk about Gillingham coming up uh, to get promotion to the championship in 99. Literally a week, or in the same week almost, that that United did the treble. That's the crazy thing. You know, we're talking about our friends, our Man United friends being fraught about that. 1999, Wembley, they go to Gillingham, they beat them in the playoff final to get up to the, to get back into the championship, not into the Premier League.
2: That's not that long
3: ago. No, it's not that long ago at all. Meanwhile, down the road, United are are completing a historic treble, something that had never been done before in the history of English football. Um, so you can't not frame this game tonight in 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 kind of that that zone.
2: Yeah, Jonathan Lew again in the Guardian says quote uh it was probably city's greatest performance under pep guardiola a kind of footballing perfection a museum piece not merely a lesson but a scolding sport as scorched earth strategy look on my work ye mighty and despair (laughs) nothing beside remains that (laughs) i mean it's
3: so it's beautifully written and beautifully uh linked into um uh literature and culture there by jonathan but that was a conversation that came up as well uh so the, the, we were at the Black Horse, and the owner of, of Black Horse is Brian McAnally. You've met him Tottenham recently, fan. actually. Massive Spurs fan. Yeah. So uh, he comes over and he goes, Jay, um, you know, I've spent the last month supporting Man City. Uh, but I have to say, it's like when you watch them, it's not that it's bad football, it's just inevitable football. <laughs> And it's not bad foot. No, it's certainly not bad football. No, it's not. But it's, there's just something crushingly inevitable about it. Yeah, And there, is, there, there was that sense tonight that Carlo Angelotti could have been on the sideline for Everton at the weekend and here uh, for Real Madrid because, you know, it gets to 30 minutes, you think, or it didn't even get to 30 minutes, but it gets to 15 minutes, you know, and you're like, oh, God, can they hang on? The same feeling Everton supporters would have. Everton supporters and Real Madrid supporters can share a feeling tonight. The feeling of we are eventually gonna get busted open here. <laughs> it's just gonna happen. And and it did. And that is if if you love the game, you know, I'm not gonna I am not gonna tell anyone they shouldn't love Kevin De Bruyne. Just not fantastic, yeah. wonderful player. I'm not going to tell anyone they shouldn't love Jack Grealish. Fantastic mm. player. One of my favourites. Gundogan, all these guys. But if you love the sport, you want a bit of jeopardy. And I think I would never, <laughs> I would never be so bold as to suggest that Liverpool were any neutral's favourites when they were going up against City. But there was a like, a kind of a swashbuckling thing about Liverpool. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Don't know what's going to happen. They're, they're going to be very, very good, but they'll give up chances and God knows they might have to pull something out of the fire. And in all their title uh, running games against City, most of them, there was always a bit of jeopardy. Real Madrid as well. Kings of jeopardy in the Champions League. Like, facing elimination so many times, still make it true. The Aaron Paul gif, he can't keep getting away with this. That does not apply to Manchester City, mostly. Yeah, their Every, jeopardy their jeopardy lies in the courtroom. <laughs> their jeopardy lies in the courtroom. And and tonight was a victory for lawyers. Tonight was a victory. All you lawyers out there who take lots of abuse from people like me who don't earn as much money and don't like lawyers generally, but that's a victory for the guys they sent to the court of arbitration for sport. It's a victory for Sheikh Mansour. It's a victory for those who said in the Der Spiegel leaks that it didn't. They didn't care. What was unearthed about Man City? Because they would pump so much money into lawyers, they'd keep this thing in court for the next 100 years. That's another element to it, too, that needs to probably examine, be examined. I mean, how are you ever going to feel when the, when they do raise
2: that trophy, old big ears, which they almost certainly will? uh yeah it's a a bit of a rough run for uefa they probably didn't feel great last year when real madrid who had just tried to lead a charge into the super league were handed old big ears so you know this is the era in which we're living Um, yeah yeah, that's just kind of the way that it is and by the way I, i should say like i don't expect manchester city fans to be lamenting that kind of stuff like this is this is not really i mean like
3: That's that's not what football fans do these days. There are some Man City fans who have grave concerns and have written about their concerns over their their ownership, over the way the club is. But did anyone think when kings and monarchs started getting into football, people who are unelected, people who make the rules, that they're going to be told what to do by Alexander Seferin (laughs) and that they're going to have to abide by them? Like, what the f*** were people thinking? You let these people in. This is what they're going to do. Whatever they want. And I wouldn't tell a Manchester City fan tonight not to enjoy what they saw. You can't.
2: No, they're they're in heaven. Like they're is, in heaven, this, but also won, this is the stuff of dreams. Right, and the witnessing. horse
3: is bolted. The horse the horse hasn't just bolted from the stable, Andrew. The horse has bolted from the stable, gone into a new country. He's gone. he's broken international borders and is in a different stable now. That's how long it is. It's it's too late.
2: Yes, it probably is. Um, now, to look at the Real Madrid side of it, before we move on to the other semifinal, what, like, boy, it's... A lot can change in 24 hours, huh? Like, a day ago, my view of Real Madrid season was kind of different than it is now. Like, I, I look at them differently now after taking this kind of beating against a team that I th- thought, perhaps incorrectly... Yeah. Was a contemporary yeah, it's not, of theirs. It's, it not a quite of the theirs. Em- it's not quite the
3: emperor has no clothes, but it's because they, they have been a great team. But it's definitely. Hang on a second. Uh, yeah,
2: it's maybe like, the maybe the Emperor's just wandering around in his boxers. I mean this this went from a potentially great season to a I think a really a pretty bad one in a well, day. Well, they were league. League and and
3: Champions League, they were La Liga champions and Champions League champions this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and by their grand standards, it's it's definitely it's definitely a letdown.
2: Yeah, I mean, they got rocked in the league, like they've been. Yeah, you know, I, I know. I think it was Luka Modric who was talking about it after the game. Um You know, he was kind of reflecting on their season, and he spoke about how. Uh, before the World Cup, they were in it, and then after the World Cup, they hit a a rough patch of results, and that kind of changed everything. It spiraled for them domestically, and Barcelona wound up running away with it. I mean, Real Madrid, you know regardless of what they were doing in Europe, they're not accustomed to being out of, essentially, contention to win the league as early as they were. It's been over for months. We were talking about it months ago on this podcast that Barcelona were were waltzing to a title. Uh, Now, Real Madrid did win the Copa del Rey. Yes. uh, But... Like, is that plus the club the FIFA Club World Cup or whatever it was that is what it was that they won, right? Yeah. Uh like those two things plus a semifinal appearance in a champions league, is that enough to look at this season and say, okay, it wasn't a total failure? For them, for that for the standards of that club, which I believe are higher than any club in the world. Um I don't I don't think so. I think that suddenly to lose like that i think maybe if the scoreline were a little different against manchester city but when you lose 5-1 it leaves no doubt you're not better than them they're be- like they're you can you can only look at it that way so I, yeah i don't it's tough to say it that like one result could shade the way you view an entire season but it it changes my outlook on what this season was for them i still think they're great um, I, I said before this game that I thought the two best teams in the world were facing each other in this Champions League semifinal. I, I still think I believe that, but I think that the gap is is much bigger between them than whatever I thought it might have been. Before, I kind of thought they were the, the, almost even. Uh, now I do not. That would be foolish. Yeah. Um.
3: Real Madrid fans will have the the warming, consoling feelings from the last few years to to guide them, I guess, uh, through the dark night tonight. But there was um it's the level of the defeat. Yeah. It it's the comprehensive nature of the defeat that's gonna give them pause. And and yeah, overall the season's a disappointment. How could it not be based on
2: what we've seen before from them? Right. This was sixers Celtics game seven type stuff. Okay. Where, like where, go- where one game suddenly changes the way you view everything. You got to
3: stop. You got to stop.
2: Oh, don't worry. I've stopped. I've begun my my now annual tradition of boycotting the Eastern Conference Finals out of my leftover disgust from the Sixers season. So I won't, won't watch, watch it. The Conference Finals. I'm out. I'm out. I need a break. I need a break from basketball. They killed me. And I am I take my, It's again, I do this every year now because they always lose in a way that is disgusting in the second round, and I can't, watch and so i'm out and i'll i'll return for my little self-imposed hiatus for the nba finals but i'm out i won't watch a second of celtics heat and i love basketball you won't don't watch a second tune in for jason taylor no, i'm sickened by it i don't want to watch any of it i don't want to see boston fans happy fault. i don't i don't want any of that i don't want i just don't want i do this every year jj it's become a part it's built into my calendar all right, and uh, mid-May, that's about the time when I begin my self-imposed exile from basketball. Okay, early June, I'll return. It's what I. It's how it is, anyway. Um, Real Madrid. I, I will say this: moving forward, I, I think I agree with what you said earlier. Like I was wondering, okay, well, you know, Ancelotti's future. Some people are calling it into question. I don't buy that. He'll be back. I think Florentino Perez said as much. Ancelotti said as much. But whatever. Um, Benzema is 35. Modric is going to be 38. Um, you know, Tony Kroos is mid thirties. So like, if you wanted to force the conversation of, uh, is this the end of something for Madrid for me? No, 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 no. This was a, this was a bad night at the end of a, I guess we're now calling it somewhat disappointing season, but it in no way impacts what I view of them moving forward. I think they'll be ridiculous next year. I think their title challenge will probably be much more competitive because they're going to probably be spurred on by the disappointment of this season. Um, who knows? Mbappe, Bellingham, who the hell knows what's on the horizon for them. By the way, super young players that are already global superstars like Vinicius, Rodrigo, Fede Valverde, Camavinga will probably be moved back into midfield, I would assume. They're going to be ridiculous next year. So if you're a Real Madrid fan who's in a bad mood and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if this was the end of an era. I, you can go ahead and think that if you want to be in your feelings, but not to me. You guys will be fine.
3: Can I ask you a sartorial question? So, the bar was full of Real Madrid fans. I, I didn't see one City fan. There no. aren't
2: there aren't a ton of them.
3: No, of course there isn't.
2: There's just not. That's the whole point. Like I don't like in this. You know, we we run in circles that have because we love soccer. Like we know a lot of soccer fans. I don't know any. I don't know a Man City fan.
3: No. And those who are in it, yeah, you know, they they like watching the game. They're general soccer fans, and they'll say to you, Oh, I like City. You know, I like watching them, but they're not hardcore fans. I know sure. one hardcore Man City fan, and he goes way back. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one guy in there, right? And uh he got his hands on next season's Real Madrid jersey.
1: Really? And he was
3: wear he was wearing it. Um and we got talking to him afterwards. The tag was still in it. He left the tag in it, like deliberately.
2: Why? He was going to return it? I don't know. What are you you implying?
3: I'm not implying anything. It's just like, you know, there was that thing, wasn't there, where um, people would buy, um, was it baseball hats? And they'd leave the tags in them as well. Which was deranged and, and weird. Yeah. I never, I did actually ask him
2: why the tag was still in it, but I did point it out to my friend. I was like, the tag's still in that. Maybe he didn't know. I've worn pants before that still had on like the sticker of like what size they are.
3: <laughs> did anyone tell you or did you find out before they got uh, to tell you?
2: Usually like my wife would be like, Hey, are you you know you still have the sticker on there before I like leave to go to work. <laughs> Maybe he didn't know. Maybe you should have told him. Like he had something in his teeth. I don't know. I think he was it was some kind of badge of honor. Tag of honor. How is that? Whatever, I don't know.
3: I don't know. I don't. Do you do
2: do you agree with what I'm saying though? That Real Madrid are going to be just fine. That like anybody who's like worried about the future needs to grow up. I think every every single major superpower club outside
3: of uh, outside of the Premier League has serious existential worries, which are fair and valid. But yeah, I don't I don't see Real Madrid receding into the background anytime soon. No, no,
2: no. I I would agree. Um, That's all I got on that one. Yes, yeah. uh, that was something. Five one, God. Five,
3: one. Yeah,
2: God, you know indeed. when
3: their when their amazing run came to an end, it did come to an end in spectacular fashion.
2: Mm. Yeah, like a you dying know. star. A dying star
3: is that what happens? It like I mean, don't they don't they explode? And when is they... it like is it amazing to look at?
2: I don't know what happened. i never the, witnessed. The I thought it was some kind of explosion. Now, I, now I'm worried. That no, we're we've gonna, got that we're headed what, we got the animals part.
3: Sort of... They explained uh, they explained the brain and sense and smell and memory. And now they'll explain this to us
2: because yeah. But I but I've always viewed myself as a Neil deGrasse Tyson. And if I if I'm proven wrong in some sort of uh, universal knowledge, you... it's going to really reflect <laughs> poorly of me. You told me you hate reading. <laughs> no, I don't hate reading. I just haven't read a book in years. That's there's a difference. I would um, love to be able to.
3: My girlfriend got me Bob Odenkirk's book.
2: Have fun with that. I, I like him. He's
3: his, great. His memoir. I think that's great. I think he's he's brilliant. And I'm a huge um, Better Call Saul fan and uh, Breaking Bad fan. So. I'd like you, I'd
2: like for you to write a memoir.
3: I'd read that. <laughs> oh my god! I'll I'll tell you right now. I could I could put one together. Uh, prove it. I've I, I've had a a weirdly a weird life. I'd put it that way. <laughs> a great life, but weird. <laughs> That make, that would make a good memoir, right?
2: I think you know, that's you, the, you, I think you just stumbled upon the title.
3: A Weird Life.
2: <laughs> a Great Life, but weird. I would... Um, the J.J. Devaney story. I would have a huge amount of you in it. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah. It may not be once the words reach the page, but... Well, meeting you changed my life. I'm going to take Def. that as a compliment, too.
3: Damn... <laughs> Um uh, definitely. I mean you didn't change some of my more uh difficult characteristics, but definitely meeting you was was a was a big plus.
2: So that's a chapter. Oh
3: yeah, but I think I'd like to Chapter you know,
2: three, the meeting at the Smith.
3: That's right. Yeah.
2: I did find you cold and taciturn at the time. That is such BS. That is that is such a lie. <laughs> <laughs> You've said that before. Admit that that's a lie. Our lunch was amazing.
3: I, I, I want to frame the narrative that I warmed you up and and, and kind of had this like unbelievable influence on your character and your personality. It's probably not true, no,
2: it's not true. I'm the same guy today as I was at that you, lunch.
3: You're the flower I cultivated.
2: <laughs> that is such an unbelievable lie. Of all the mischaracterizations that there are about me, you know, there. I have a friend who says, I you, you never drink water. I've never seen you drink water. Uh, what's your deal? You don't drink water. You don't drink enough water. I drink water all the time. You, I just don't have people observing me when I go to the fridge. Wow. What, what D- is that? What a weirdly specific thing to say. Brownshire. He says it all the time about me. Is he obsessed with Andrew, your hydration? Why, are you, why aren't you drinking any water? What's going on? You don't drink I, any water. I can hear Brownshire saying that. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. You oh, know what my my thing is? I don't sip water. I gulp it. So it happens quickly. So, like, if you're not there to see it, like, it's, he, some people carry around these water bottles. They're taking a sip every every three minutes. Like, they're showing off. Look how much water I drink. Look how good I am at this, at hydrating. I do it fast. Bang. Done. They, and- I know we're going off on a mad tangent here, and I, I promise I'll bring it back to
3: football in a second, but I want to tell everyone, I have never seen a man take such pleasure in eating a sandwich and chips as you. Never. In my life.
2: What's not to love about it?
3: Yeah, you... You take the basic sandwich and a bag of, of chips, and you turn it into this like a festival of food.
2: I would, I would eat it every single day. That would be my lunch every single day if I could.
3: I you guess are I a simple man, a very simple man. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree
2: with that. Actually, I would agree. Can with I, that.
3: can I absolutely hijack the rundown? Oh boy! Before we get to the second semi-final, um, can we just talk about someone who? literally has thrown all the criticism back in people's faces. Um, I want everyone to quickly listen to this. This is from the aforementioned John Bostock of Knotts County, whose Penenka just was a disaster. Um, but instead of, you know, you know, fronting up is part of the footballer psyche now. You know, boys weren't good enough. I thought today we got to do better for the fans, do better for ourselves. No. Bostock is leaning into what he did. He is doubling down on what he did. He made a hype video, and uh, here it is. Just we, I mean, it's a visual, obviously, but just listen to the music. He's gone to some effort and some production levels. That is a video of John Bostock and all his successful
2: Penyankas. Right. It starts with the disastrous one, but as the ball is in midair, fades and into successful ones that he has converted before. a list of them. I mean, and it's... it's, Can I ask you an an unanswerable question? uh, Is that video getting made if they wind up losing? no (laughs) maybe it is answerable no way
3: not a chance uh not a chance but i i you know cojones is that cojones i think i
2: think think it's a sense of humor i think it like I, i think he's yeah he's trying to own his mistake in a fun way um so yeah i respect it still wouldn't play for me ever again but yeah, I I thought it was kind of funny when I saw that he that he put that out there. Good for him. They won. His mistake, I guess, now kind of fades and we forget about it. And uh, and he found a way to have some fun at his own expense. Self-deprecating humor, JJ. It's one of the most effective brands of humor. Good for John Bostock. I think I think it is. Um it's also a little bit of a flex, because
3: all those penalties were perfectly executed in the Penanka style. And um the question was, what's gone through his head? Well, Everything, every other time he did it. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was a slight
2: uh, slight uh, tangent D- on John Deviation, Boston. yeah. Deviation. Um, let's see. Let's go to the other The other Champions League semifinal, JJ, Inter Milan. Mm. They reached their first Champions League final since that memorable uh, treble year under Jose Mourinho. Um, and now, now they'll be looking to potentially, we'll see, potentially prevent Manchester City from achieving trouble of their own What Um, a
3: dud of a semifinal.
2: Yeah, I know. For one that we were really excited about. a Milan, Derby, San Siro, semifinal of the Champions League. Felt felt big, really. I mean, the crowd was, God, both crowds, so up for it. The games lacked, again, the theme of this Champions League just lacked drama. Like, that would be like, you know, all these... Every season has, like, the DVD put out, and they always come up with some flashy title. My friend used to always joke that every time the eagles would get a new head coach and then like nfl films would put out that video yearbook uh the title of all of those were always uh new coach new approach <laughs> the 1996 philadelphia eagles like the the title of this champions league would just be lacking drama the story of the 2023 uefa champions league now I will say this about Inter. I, again, this is not a reflection of the teams that have made it. It's just a reflection of of being a neutral fan, kind of watching all this. Um, I will say this about Inter. This was not supposed to happen. They no. were. You've you got to remember they were in the same group as Bayern and Barcelona. No one, people were not picking Inter to get out of that group. Not only have they done that, they've now found themselves all the way at the end of this in the Champions League final. It's really a, it's a tremendous achievement. Um, Opta Joe tweeted. Afterwards, enter the first side to reach the UEFA Champions League final despite finishing as runners-up in their group in that season. Since both blank and blank did it, any guesses? Liverpool and
3: um... what
2: well, happened the same year? So, Real Madrid. No, Tottenham. Oh, that was both Liverpool and Spurs were runners up in there. Why would I ever have thought Tottenham won the group?
3: Why would I have even considered that? Yeah, Yeah. look. I mean. We all expected the return of Liao to be to make a big difference for AC Milan. And, you know, he had that chance where. Dragged it, went, went to go right, dragged it onto his left, pulled it across the goal. And you thought, uh oh, but like Milan just didn't do enough. So like. I mean, again, I don't want to be a slave to the XG, but like Inter 0.95 scored one goal. AC Milan 0.61. 0.61. Yeah. And I wouldn't like to see what it is across both ties. like,
2: And that was probably all from almost <laughs> one solitary chance. Like this game, JJ, for whatever it turned out to be. And by the way, I've got a stat for you in a sec that will tell you what this game turned out to be. <laughs> um, but it could have been a lot different if in the 11th minute, who was it brahim diaz was presented with that chance in in the middle of the box no one near him i mean i know this term gets thrown around sometimes unfairly he's gotta score he's gotta score like you know an early goal will completely change the way we view all of this the crowd will get nervous inter will get on their heels a little bit who knows what game we wind up watching for the next? 79 minutes if diaz scores there and it's a chance where he should have and instead he scuffs it and it becomes a a, essentially a nothing save for onana but like could have been an entirely different game if he converts that opportunity and instead they really offered very little like you said until Leao had the chance in the 37th minute you know dribbling into space made a move got in the box to create his own chance but put it wide that's there wasn't a whole lot else from ac milan in this one um opta analyst tweeted this jj there were 37 fouls committed between inter and milan in their champions league semifinal the most in a uefa champions league game this entire season the ball was in play for 50 minutes 40 seconds or 52.7 percent of available time the sixth lowest mark in a champions league game this season this was a dud it was just a dud
3: yeah it was terrible absolutely terrible Uh, The interesting things, actually, were kind of off the field. I thought uh, CBS uh, pitch side having Thierry Henry with Lukaku was interesting.
2: It was fantastic.
3: It was was real compelling TV. I should say about Lukaku, um, Statman Dave, despite only playing 24 minutes against Milan, no player made more key passes, three, than Romelu Lukaku, which, I mean, tells you all you need to know. Um, Martinez, I thought, did well on his goal, good feet, pulled it, uh, you know, got it out. Blasted it past
2: uh, the goalkeeper, but um, but yeah, the that stuff was that... poor from AC Milan too. I thought it, it was. And they had a couple defenders in no man's land in the box, playing everyone on side. Yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, good for look. It was a nice little interplay between Lukaku and Martinez. But yeah, I mean, it was. That, Are they that gonna have game... to face the ultras again? <laughs> <laughs> clearly, the pep talk didn't work.
3: No, whatever the ultras said was not good. Um, I just want to talk about what Henri said because. I, it was a little bit cryptic and I feel as if there's something more to come out of that Belgium debacle at the World Cup um, only a few months ago. Um, so Henri on uh, Lukaku, that's not my normal reaction, but I did it to Ram at the World Cup. Normally I am more tougher than that. For two weeks I was worried. I was texting him every day to ask how he was. So that's obviously the two weeks after his right, after the disastrous, like it still has the potential to be a career defining moment for him something we'll never forget uh, all his misses against croatia uh you guys don't understand what was happening
2: and he wouldn't go he would not elaborate no. which by the way he there's no he is under no obligation to whether he's in the media or not no I'm it wasn't
3: easy but he came out of it and that's why i'm very proud of him it was really far from where he is right now um yeah. I, I'm just so curious. I'd love to know, like, where was he at? Was it something I personal? mean, I don't,
2: I don't think it leaves a whole lot to the imagination. I would say he was probably in a some sort of depressed state. Yeah. Which is easy to believe. Like, there's, a you know, the pressure on these guys at all times is immense. At, at a World Cup, it ratchets up to levels that are hard, I think, for us to comprehend. Well, when you're playing well, for your country like that. When
3: Henri says... People don't realize what was happening. Does that mean what was happening after Bel- Belgium versus Croatia because of the misses, the glaring misses he had?
2: Or what was happening in and around the camp when no, he was playing? I, I took it. You're right. I don't know. I took it to be some sort of commentary on Lukaku's mental state. Maybe Henri had to convince him to not retire. Uh I, I don't know but I I thought it was specific to Lukaku okay. and how he was feeling in the wake of that. I mean look, Lukaku ultimately is a guy that I that I'm truly happy for um because I have always found him to be a really likable figure. Anytime you've heard him give interviews, uh he always seems like a really good dude. Yes. And I think it became it became a little easy to forget that his time at Chelsea was so negative. His play on the field was, was poor. The interview he gave to sky Italia was just an ugly incident. He, he suddenly kind of switched roles and you started to forget that you liked him. He, he started to become unlikable. And then that led into, he forced his way out of Chelsea. Uh Now he's at the world cup with Belgium. That's a disaster. He's a punchline. For the neutrals after that golden generation wasted all that kind of stuff, so like just a lot of like negativity around Lukaku in particular over about a year and a half span, but like again, you know, seeing him playing well, seeing the interview afterwards with Henri, you kind of remember like, oh yeah, like I did used to really like that guy, um he was a great player, seems like a good guy, like I, i'm I'm knowing the little bits that we got from Henry out of that what Lukaku was going through. I'm happy for him. I think that's that's a cool story among all this. So, no good for him. I should say too while you're on it, JJ. Um, I'm not saying this to like kiss kiss up to anyone or anything like that. Like just purely as a viewer, I think CBS's uh Champions League coverage with that group, Kate Carriger, Michael Richards and Henry, like I think they've nailed it. I wouldn't change a thing. I love it.
3: I I like all of them. I like the way they do it. I, I think I like each I definitely person, think... go on.
2: I was just like I think each person is just like so different enough from the other that it just all works. Like Henri is kind of like the smug expert, but in like an endearing way. Michael Richards is like comic relief. Jamie Carragher is kind of just like a blend of the two, sort of. Um I, like I think the... it all just works.
3: I like the way it's relaxed. Um, you know, I guess with the constraints of TV, cause it's not TV, it's streaming. So they're not like bang, ad break, bang. Like there are ad breaks. I get that, but it's not, there's seem, it seems to be more free form and Kate's actually pretty good at it. She's not afraid to put her finger to her ear and like, listen to what the producers is saying. The questions she asks are very good. Um, I think Henri is settled into this so much. I remember when he started at, at, at Punditry before he went into coaching, he was at Sky and he was getting $4 million a year. He was dreadful. I, I, he, he never said anything interesting. And now I'm constantly referencing what Henri has said on the TV. He, I think he's
2: great, honestly. Yeah, I, I think really he's great do. too.
3: Uh, Ka- I, I, I think Cara is great. Cara Neville on Monday Night Football. Essential viewing. And I think Cara is very good on this too and, and, and more relaxed. Mika is great. He's funny. He's got, he does have things to say as a recently, re- re- relatively recently retired professional. It is not ideal that he is a paid ambassador for Manchester City and he is um analysing their games. No. <laughs> not ideal. I would put it that way. Now I know that's much more common in, in US sport for that to um for that to happen, but I, I um yeah, I don't love that aspect of it. I'd like I'd like to think everyone is like when when Kara is talking about Liverpool, it is from like jurgen Klopp's got angry at what Kara has had to say before. Yeah, it's like not. He's not, and I, I do feel like M- Mika is like you're never going to get him to talk about about any any kind of contentious issues surrounding City because because of that role as an ambassador.
2: Maybe, but like they all are rooting, and that doesn't bother me. I'm fine with it. Like, remember, JJ CBS put out the compilation after the Real Madrid Liverpool game of like Jamie Carragher behind the scenes watching it and just like how he was just like. Inconsolable, basically, as oh, that sure. beating was unfolding. Like I, and, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Henri would probably be the same if it was Arsenal.
3: And honestly, I'm I'm the old fuddy duddy uh, because it's gone. It's over. The days of impartiality are gone. People want partiality. Like you see it on Sky. They fostered this whole Gary Neville Carragher thing. So they, they 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 like love the fact that they can tweet out videos of, of of Gary Neville absolutely forlorn at the seven seven nil, and they know the numbers they'll get on social media. That's what drives it i I'm the one that's in the past here,
2: freely admitted um but there we are yeah i don't mind I don't mind any of that um let's see so now i like we said this inter a c Milan it just was not it was not really riveting stuff um so I'm kind of looking ahead now to the final and obviously we'll have some time you know the finals not for another few weeks um we'll have time to get into that of course, but just like initial thoughts yeah you know, if you give Inter any chance versus Manchester City. I mean, look, obviously, obviously, there's a chance. You know, we've, it, it wouldn't be the biggest upset in the history of this sport. Um, but it, it doesn't feel good. Now, look, Inter are very good. Like, I, I don't want that to get lost here. Um, you know, I, I saw Nicky Bandini was writing about Inter and like all of their strengths and they, they have a lot like, you know, she was saying that this inter team might not have an Erling Holland or a Karim Benzema, but they have, but they are hardly average Joes. Laturo Martinez is a World Cup winner whom Inzaghi is back to one day challenge for a Ballon d'Or. Uh, Nicolo Borella is the most well-rounded midfielder Italy has produced in a generation. Hakan Chalonoglu is on a mission to prove his stated belief that he's one of the five, the best five playmaking midfielders in the world. She goes on to talk about their depth, um, you know, Mikatarian, Brozovic, uh Lukaku comes off the bench like you said the impact he made in just 24 minutes on the field defensively they're great a Bastoni Darmian DeMarco DeMarco by the way the five Champions League assists tied for the most with anybody in this competition this season so like they they are also really really good I'm not going to call it a fluke that they've reached this point even if they weren't one of the favorites to do so but uh, we've been clear about what they're up against and it's a monster yeah um
3: Like I've enjoyed watching what they've done to Milan. Um, Like I like I like the way the team is set up. Like the energy they've got now. To Barella, Dumfries, Mkhitaryan, um, Serbi looks great. Uh, Darmian and Mkhitaryan are going to a Champions League final. Mm. Not with Man United, which is just an interesting side note. Um, The aforementioned Lukaku won't start in that lineup. It's it's going to be Lautaro Martinez and um Ed and reckon, Jekyll. yeah look i like them i just it's it's just hard for me to to think of them what like whatever it is beating your crosstown rival in a champions league semifinal across two legs the absolute scale of what they have to do against man city is is frightening
2: yeah it is, but I think they'll believe that they have a chance, and they but should. It's a
3: final. It's it's absolutely it's a final. Um, you hope they don't go too negative and sit in too much. I mean, they'll have to. They're not going to have much of the ball, and 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 maybe that just that's natural osmosis of football that they're going to drop back. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I do, I really don't know how they how they beat City.
2: Yeah, I don't either, uh, but we have some time to think about it and convince ourselves that we're going to be in for a cracker. Like we said, it, maybe it'll all be worth it. All the drama list Champions League matches that we've watched so far this season, maybe it's all building up to an explosion of drama, the likes of which we've never seen. So I'm I'm rooting for that. Hopefully we'll get something like that. We deserve it. We deserve yeah. it. We all deserve it. Um, JJ, a huge, a huge thing just exploded the other day in U.S. soccer. Um, We will get to that in a moment, but before we do, JJ, I want to remind you and everybody out there that support for Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Caught Offside, all one word at manscaped.com. Um, they, of course, Manscaped sent us this. We've talked about that at length. Uh, it's, I, I can't say it enough. If Like like we said before, if you're someone who, who does this, who likes to do a little grooming down there, then uh, this is, it's the product you have to use. It makes the entire experience so easy. That is ultimately my biggest takeaway from it is just the ease of it all. Um, the act like, I of, don't it, go the of it, the cleanup of
3: it. Oh, I don't want to go over all ground, but you were not doing it the easy way. Nor was I, but um, you in particular. It was... yeah, we've never
2: gotten into that, actually. What was your... Uh, I've shared with everyone my bizarre methods. W- what were you doing?
3: I would get the... Uh, I have uh, uh, clippers, and I would just do a rudimentary... Scissors? No, clippers, like, uh, oh. like hair clippers. Um, and I would do a rudimentary little shave down there. Uh, before i get into the tub so you have to clean that mess up straight away uh, because you can't be bringing electrical items into the bathtub we know that's not a good idea oh my god no no so folks so i do a little clip there and then i have to get into the tub and
2: then i have to get at it with the razor with the old with the old face razor (sighs) and you know this is see what he's describing and i'm sure so many of you out there are doing the same you're describing a process It doesn't need to be a process. It can all happen in one step. Take your three or four steps, condense it into one. The time saved, the frustration, the bleeding, all of those things could all be saved. Inside this package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. To hold all of it, uh, can't recommend it enough. So it's time to take care of yourself. Go to Manscaped.com and get twenty percent off and free shipping with code Caught Offside. That's twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Caught Offside at Manscaped.com. Twenty percent off, free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code Caught Offside. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Baligan. We'll talk about that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. More Caught Offside still to come.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing
2: Caught offside, JJ. The news that we were kind of expecting, but still were thrilled to finally see. following Balligan, the announcement he made it himself. Yeah. In in, in John Bostock self produced fact, <laughs> put out a video. Uh, and and it's it has happened. He has committed his future to the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, like I said not a shock. I think once we all saw him down in Orlando with the team meeting with the team, I think it started to feel like there was real true momentum building towards this, but now that it's official, um, it's great. <laughs> Honestly, it's great. Uh, you know, I'm not, I love this. I think it's exactly right now. The thing that they need, um, Balligan talked about it. This is, um, you know, he spoke obviously to us soccer, twitter and gave an interview to the to u.s soccer um but in his statement he said it came together with my family we decided it'd be the right thing for me to represent the country i was born in in the end it became a no-brainer it's just something i wanted to do and it feels like i'm at home here um we should say just to lay it out for everyone who's not sure his parents are nigerian he was born in brooklyn while his parents were there visiting family he moved to london shortly after um the shortly after i've seen I don't know. I saw one report that he was here for two years. Shortly after, sounds like less than that. But regardless, he was born in Brooklyn. That's what matters. And therefore, he's eligible to represent the U.S. And that is that is the decision that he has made, JJ. And it is a good one for all of us.
3: I think, I think it really is. Um, the decision he's made has been based upon the fact that he probably looks ahead of the pecking order in England and thinks, I'm not there. Despite what I've done in León, despite uh, what I, what he obviously believes his potential talent is, doesn't think it's going to happen for him, and this is this expedites and and pushes forward his chance to be leading the line for for the national team. He was also kind of impressed. Um, uh, Leander uh, Shalakins did a good piece for the Ringer, and he talked about I was in America and I just really felt the love from there there's been a lot of build-up, So I've obviously seen people saying that I should choose to represent the U S and it's just something I'm really happy that I've decided to do. Um, and he was, he just said, a, posted a, a photo with his friends and how it went crazy on Instagram with uh, US fans wanting him to join. Um, and he's looked at Nigeria and he's looked at, at, at the U S uh, at England and thought I'm, I'm behind in the pecking order and those, and I can really come and make an impact. And this is the, you know this is a country that makes people famous and uh, if he is successful being the man who leads the line for the US men's national team that is that can open untold doors um and so that's the decision it's not i don't think it's out of any great love for it's it's out of the love shown to him
2: by the US fans
3: that's what I, that's what it seems to be
2: yeah, um there's a few things that I wanted to address with this but while you're mentioning that one I'll go to that one first. Um USMNT soccer fans. We've you know we talk about them on Twitter from time to time. Sometimes they're awesome, sometimes they're toxic. They can be all things at all times. Um sometimes they get a bad rap. But in moments like this, I think that bad rap you see why it's it's a little bit unfair because what they are is passionate extremely passionate and i i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i genuinely believe that that made some sort of an impact here um like I, i'm just trying to think about it from his perspective so gareth southgate said about Balogun a few months ago when he was place with the under 21s he wasn't given a, a senior team call up with england and southgate said we cannot go and give first team call-ups to someone just because we don't want them to go somewhere else yeah. that was what southgate said so now you're back again and you see oh all right like think about it if you're like if you're pledging like a fraternity or something like that and you walk into whatever you deem to be the cool house on campus they throw great parties whatever but when you walk in like, none of the brothers pay much attention to you. You're kind of getting a cold vibe. It's just okay. But that's the cool house, so you think about it. But then you walk down the block to another house that's maybe, like, not quite as popular, but still still fine. And when you walk in, <laughs> confetti cannons and, like, a banner unfurled yeah. with your name on it. And, like, all the brothers in the house, they they rush up to you and, like, they want to know about you and they're talking to you and you're hitting it off. Like, that stuff matters in recruitment. And this isn't, like, wooing a free agent. Where you can like, where okay, you can be cold to someone, but then you get to the bargaining table and money will do the talking. And even if they were cold to you, if they're offering a few million more, then you're going to go there. No, like that's that's not happening here. That not like that few million more might nullify all the other fun stuff, but here all you have is that other stuff. There is no money exchanging hands. Uh, so I, I believe that USMNT Twitter, the soccer fans in this country, their crazed passion for that team and for this guy in particular over the last year plus uh i think that that had an impact i think that he was bombarded with the love like he referenced i don't think that's lip service i, I really believe that 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 played a role here so us soccer twitter all the fans out there you guys get a bad rap sometimes uh for so- sometimes toxic takes or whatever but i think that i don't know i'm I, Tell me I'm wrong, but like I think that they had an impact in in helping this to happen.
3: Yeah, they definitely did. And I think as well, can you remember when he pulled out of the England Under-21 squad and we read the quotes from the manager, Lee Carsley? They were not warm. Right. You know, they were just tepid. We're not chasing after anyone. I'll speak to Flo, you know, but it's it's a crazy drug in human interactions to be wanted. Like, to, for someone to want you. It means so much whether you've been hired by a company, whether it's a partner or someone who'd like to, I want you, I want you with me, I want you. And like, when you get a mass amount of fans showing you that amount of love in the social media age, where whether we like it or not, like, it's me or you, I don't, like, we get an endorphin kick when there's a retweet from someone who we respect and who likes us. But I don't think we're as susceptible as younger generations are to like mass love online. Um, and and that's what he's got. And and I totally think that the fans played a role in it. Uh, with Serginio Dest, he loved being involved with the U.S. team. He loved the players he was playing with. Uh, and I definitely think that influenced things. But, but in terms of Balogun, I, I genuinely feel there was this kind of outpouring of, Listen, we want you. We think you're great. Declare for us. Yeah. And he was not getting that anywhere else. And and that and that tipped the balance. And again, old fuddy duddy. I'd love him to want to play for us because of Washington crossing the Delaware. And you know, what else are we? You know, what do we do? Uh, drive-in movie theaters. Um you know,
2: keep going. All, I, want, I want to see all of let's get into the mind of JJ and, and um, all the American stereotypes,
3: you know, Pamela Anderson, um, isn't she Canadian? Yeah, I know, but she's, I mean, she embodies the American <laughs> dream or my American dream once upon a time, uh, Bay. Okay. Baywatch. We say Baywatch, right, you know, fine. all, all those things. Um, you know, but it doesn't really work like that anymore. These are, these are career opportunities and, yeah. um, Being born in New York and seeing all that love. And look, you can grow to love a place. Like I didn't grow up loving the United States and I came here and now I
2: I think it's the greatest place in the world. So, I find um, this whole conversation fascinating, honestly. And I know we've had it before, but I just, Mm. the idea of like someone's cultural identity being nebulous is, it's very interesting to me because sometimes I think about it and I'm like, I can't relate to that. I'm from America like this is the only country that I have like affinity affinity is the wrong word. I love everyone. I love all the countries of the world. <laughs> From but, like, sea to <laughs> shining sea. Right. But you know what I mean. Like this is yeah, this is my home. But like then I was starting to think more about it. And I was like, well, you know what? Hold on. Like I think you you probably could relate more than you realize. Like for me, let's say that like America, like there was a like an intra America World Cup made up of like the various states i was born in massachusetts right i lived there and moved when i was two i don't feel an ounce of massachusetts in who i am i sometimes forget that i was born there like it's it's not any part of me right but then i think about that is the length of time in which you live in a place the deciding factor because jj i've now lived in new york longer than i lived in pennsylvania but 100% of me feels like a philadelphian a pennsylvanian i still identify with that i still say that's where i'm from i'm from new york now but that's not how i feel i feel pennsylvanian so who knows like there are so many factors and emotions involved in this that i don't fault anybody for having any issue like maybe when ballagan when when forlaran is in england like one of the things that like made up his identity of who he was is that you know what's kind of cool i was born in brooklyn Like maybe that was always a thing that he thought set him apart in some ways. Everybody's looking for their own individualism, right? When you're in high school and college, what makes you different than other people? Like maybe he always thought that was something cool or that he had Nigerian parents. Like that was something that set him apart. So maybe he feels – he could feel all three of these things is what I'm saying. It's not just the length of time in which he lived a place. And so the point of that being if you feel – an identity to all three of these places, then I'm totally fine and entirely comfortable with playing time being the deciding factor to break the tie. Like I think that's totally normal and natural. So like I think it's great. I don't like whatever his logic was of how he got to this point. I got no problem with it. Welcome aboard.
3: Yeah, identity and and national feeling. It's it's so. Let me tell you, it's complicated. It's really complicated. Um. And I know it because I've moved to a different country and I know moving to the United States in terms of like moving from Ireland is maybe it's a well beaten path. It's, you know, it's it's um maybe it's, you know, a, a kind of a, a thing we just all accept now, the relationship between Ireland and the United States. But like, I love the neighborhood I live in. I love it. It's home. I, I can't think of being, uh, being anywhere else. I didn't grow up there. And I have such a fondness and and I miss... There's some days where I just absolutely miss... Um, I miss uh, Ireland and I miss my locality and the place I came from. Um, and I'm going to have a daughter very soon. And she's going to be part, half Irish. Um, she's going to be fully United States. She's going to be born here. But like we joked before, if she becomes a brilliant, quite brilliant soccer player like her father was uh uh no seriously but if she does and she goes on and there's an option to represent the united states or the option to represent ireland i mean we I, the player's name escapes me so please forgive me but we've had a recent case of that where there's a, a us player who, you know had strong had a, a connection to ireland but like was on the us radar could have played for the us women's national team but ended up declaring for ireland Because guess what? She didn't see her way onto the US roster.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: You know? And uh, I'm sure she'll sing or on the vein and she'll be just as proud to to play for for Ireland as as she would have for the US. It's, It's very, very complicated. Also, the idea of nation states now in a world where everything just moves so smoothly, you know, is just, there are no, like, despite Brexit and things like that, there are no borders generally we're all just a kind of a, a global community. Um, so the idea of growing up in like, if you ever hear Roger Bennett, he's, um, he's one of the, uh, they wear jackets and and they talk about football. You hear him, like he grew up in, in Liverpool in the eighties or the seventies. And just kind of became an American, just like was obsessed with American culture, finally ended up here and is now an American citizen. So Yeah. yeah, it's very complex and it's, it's, just don't take three caps. Just don't do that. <laughs> uh, I was watching Grealish tonight with a mixture oh. of like oh. pride. Like I was, I'm was, i proud that a guy of Irish heritage is out there playing at the highest level, albeit he's representing England. He, he took youth caps. Okay, fair enough. I'm all right with that. But don't do what Declan Rice did. Don't take three senior caps and then decide you're English. And always have been. And a raise... Every single part of that that is my only thing I will say about dual nationals are people who have multiple options to play for different countries
0: don't do it
2: uh, we got there wasn't sure how long it would take, but you, you how can it, you not you how can you not? <laughs> how can you not have this conversation <laughs> the uh, the my... other thing uh <laughs> with uh broke my heart with Balogun's recruitment you know we're talking about his cultural identity the um the fan involvement of just like the love that was being thrown his way. By the way, there is another group here that absolutely needs credit. This group of players have become very good at this. <laughs> like there's this infamous dinner now that's being talked about um, from down in Orlando when Balogun was there, that a bunch of players met up with him after the seven one win. What was it, against Grenada. Yeah. Yeah. They met up and had dinner with him that night. And uh like, I think this is just like if when he enters that room, it's it's a very I got to believe it's a very relatable room to enter. The whole group is essentially his age. Yeah, there's other and like more than half or half the group, whatever it is, I'd have to go through them. But like half the group are also dual nationals that have dealt with similar decision making process. Like it's just it must just be like such a welcome Welcomed environment for a player like him to walk into, and you know, guys like like Weston McKinney, just like this ball of life, friendly energy, like he can make anybody feel comfortable, and like Eunice Musa, like I just think it's, I think it all, it all makes sense, it all worked, and it's because of that that I, I can't be shocked that we've gotten to this point. But this, I, I think, and look, I, I think the coaching staff matters in this too. Greg Berhalter, I don't know the groundwork that he laid before all this, like he's been out of the job now for six months, but I'm sure that calls and texts were happening constantly. You know, he has a good track record. Sounds like Anthony Hudson did a good job of kind of sealing the deal. Uh, So there's a lot of, a lot of guys deserve, a lot of people deserve credit in this decision ultimately happening.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, Again, I referenced uh, Leander Sherlaken's piece. Uh, I should mention um, he he goes in a little bit on on what he's going to bring. Um, The U.S. has added a forward who can stretch the field with his speed and movement. Balogun can also take on defenders one-on-one and help trigger the press when out of possession. He offers a different skill set and look from Wright and DK, who are more traditional target strikers, or Pepe, Ferreira, and Sargent, who drop deeper into the midfield to hold up play and launch wingers forward. Balogun's goal tally speaks to a facility for finishing that has too often gone amiss for the U.S. Amen to that. And that's the big thing. Um that there'll be somebody there on the end of these moves on the end of these crosses. And again, like I said, I did feel at the world cup, it wasn't just a case of like, Oh, well, we're not getting crosses in or, or, or we're, we're getting crosses in, but there's no one there. We were actually, sometimes we weren't, we weren't getting enough crosses, the good quality balls in for regardless of who was there. But, um, this is a significant, it feels like a significant, a significant upgrade in, in what we have.
2: A 21 year old, who with the season still in progress has 19 goals and 34 appearances in a top five European league. Take it. All right. What would we be, what would we be saying JJ if Ricardo Pepe did that? We'd be saying, we're good. Start. Got our guy. (laughs) Like that's what we'd be saying. Hell, if Daryl DK did that in the championship, we'd be saying, I think we're good there. So he's 21. He's not the finished product yet. He's still super young. Now, what I'm curious about, like, I, I think, I mean, right now, you know, they're, Anthony Hudson, is, he's saying the right things. He says he's going to have a chance to compete right out of the gate. Yeah, you're damn right he will. Uh, to me, he's, he's the top of the depth chart. I think at the next internet, you know, in these upcoming summer tournaments, I, I think he's, he should, I'm going in with the expectation that it's going to be him. Um, we'll see. I'm sure there will be somewhat of a rotation. But I, I think also, you know, um, Steve Davis made a good point on Twitter. He said the knock-on effect for the USMNT is this. A bunch of other US attackers just felt a, a disturbance in the force and surely understand they'll need to work that much harder to be a part of it all. What is it that we say, J.J.? High tide raises all ships? Yeah. I mean, like, the idea here is that, like, you know, already these guys knew they were going to have to earn that spot. It just became a little bit harder. They're going to have to work harder to, to get it, to make it happen because this guy now I think goes to the top of the depth chart. What I'll be curious to see is what happens next for him club-wise. He's on loan right now from Arsenal. Do they want him back? Was his season in league Uh good enough where they want him? And if they do, is that good or bad? Because he won't start
3: at no, Arsenal. He won't start at Arsenal, but um, they know
2: they're going to be playing Champions League football. They're going to like they know they'll have a lot of competitions that they're going to take seriously. They're going to want depth. Do they view him as as part of that? And like, will he be playing it regularly enough? Like, this is the constant worry with all of these American players in Europe. Are they getting enough regular minutes to constantly be improving? Uh, so I don't know that, but I'll be very curious what happens next with his club career because I just want him playing.
3: Arsenal's workload is going to increase. They are going to need players, but you, you do want to plan. And I don't know. Um, They they definitely want more depth in attacks. So maybe maybe what seems like great, oh, hey, you're going to be involved with Arsenal, but you're not going to start. I don't know. I I really don't know how that's going to work out. Maybe yeah. he goes in and whenever he plays, he thrives and he scores. That's good enough. But we, we don't know that yet.
2: Polisic, Balogun, Weya up front i like it i feel good about it that eh, summer's gonna be fun i'm i'm excited for this now i know we thought oh world cup uh the come down to like nation's league gold cup it's gonna be tough nah, i'm back i'm ready for it look at you
3: it I'm only takes you it.
2: signing one of europe's hottest young
3: strikers to get you all fired up again
2: i, I love i've always said if this if like if leeds ever decided to really go all in Just dump everybody And try to just like Amass the US Men's National Team Onto Leeds I'd have a hard time Continuing to root for Tottenham If if Leeds suddenly just became The US Men's National Team It'd be hard I think you'd
3: find I think you'd find a way
2: I love this team I love this team I By can't the way leave. Leeds need less Americans By the same Well, No they need One of their Americans To come back mm, well, Which by the way guy... Tyler Adams I believe Is training again Which bodes well for the summer Yeah I don't think, I mean, I'm not looking at little rest in, of you, no, I've moved on. I'm in, I'm into the summer. The summer you're in now.
3: summer mode. All yeah, right. I'm in okay. summer
2: mode. Good for you. Uh, yeah. Hey, this was fun. This was, I mean, we got Balogun. We've got our Champions League final set. This was a. This was an upbeat, happy podcast. Ah,
3: one thing you've left out. Uh, the championship yesterday. Uh, those of you who want Sunderland Till I Die will have to, their triumphant return will have to wait a little bit longer. They were yeah. beaten 2-0. Um, at Kenilworth Road by Luton Town, so and Sunderland only had one shot in target, which is really going to disappoint them. So that is Luton Town to uh through to the uh, championship playoff final, uh, 3 2 on aggregate for them. And today, the two big guns from the northwest sorry, northeast, both out, Middlesbrough falling foul of Coventry, uh, 1 0. So that's Coventry into the the playoff final. We're gonna have either Coventry City or Luton Town in the Premier League next year. Yeah. That is amazing. It's amazing considering the, the history of both clubs. It's amazing considering the the how far they'd fallen. Um truly great. Truly, truly great. Can't wait. That is gonna be a belter of a final. That I say that. That game's always I hope uh, it
2: is. Yeah. I mean sometimes those finals are Nil nil to penalties. Like they they can be dramatic. Yes, they're not. The drama is always... going to be great anyway, one yeah. way or the other.
3: We're yeah. going to get a new story or an old story in their cases because they've both been in the top flight of football in the last forty years. Um, Coventry more recently than Luton, but um, we're going to get a new tale to tell. And I I cannot wait next season, guys. If Luton go up, which they could, if Luton go up, you are going to have to do a shot every time they mention the capacity of Kenilworth Road or the fact that you go through a row of houses like on the street to access it, mentions about how homely and small Kenilworth Road is are going to go through the roof. Everyone on this podcast has to do a shot when they hear that.
2: It's going to be like when Bournemouth came up all over again. It's going to be more intense than that. Oh, okay. Um, Well, hey, this was was fun. Big weekend ahead, obviously. Nottingham Forest battling for uh their lives in the Premier League going up against Arsenal who are clinging to I mean I don't know if they're clinging to anything Martin Odegaard has already pronounced it over so maybe it is done but we'll see if it ends officially Manchester City and Chelsea that's on Sunday big weekend ahead so much so much in this sport to feel good about right now JJ uh I enjoyed this I I feel good about this podcast Uh, every time we do it it's always a joy to me um I got nothing left you got anything else no, I'm good. Except get over onto the Reddit, join the animals
3: or forward slash caught offside pod. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, check out our
2: merch samples. Just check them out. They were leaked. Reddit. They were leaked. Hey, this was fun, man. To you, I say.
3: Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care.
2: You've been
0: listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast.